So the big question is this. How are real estate investors who don't have a ton of free time, don't have access to off-market deals, and didn't start life on third base? How do we grow a real estate business conservatively to support our families, finally leave the corporate rat race, and build a legacy? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Ed Matthews, and this is Real Estate Underground. This is the Real Estate Underground podcast show number 88. Greetings and salutations, Real Estate Undergrounders. This is Ed Matthews with the Real Estate Underground. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Today is uh, another really cool, interesting uh, conversation. So uh, I actually came across this person um, as a uh, on on Facebook following her uh, around uh, holistic self-confidence. Turns out she's a real estate investor as well and a whole bunch of other things. And so uh, Alexandra Docheva, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to see you and uh, and to finally meet you because I, like I said, I've been following you for quite some time. So welcome. Likewise, Ed. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So so for, for the folks out there that haven't followed you on social media yet, uh, I'm curious about um, if you could tell the the audience, you know, uh, your background story and how you got to be a, be where you are today. Yes, I'll do this as briefly as possible so we can focus on the real estate. You know, it's a long story. Indeed. Yeah, so I am originally Bulgarian. I was a violinist for 26 years. Very specialized, very limited in many ways. So I came to the States in 2000, earned my master's and doctoral degree in classical violin. And then in 2008, I realized I wasn't competitive enough. The market was shrinking for classical music, and I went into nursing. I put myself through nursing school. It was one of the harder decisions I ever made because my parents were against it. Colleagues were like, what are you doing after all these years of work, practicing 79 hours a day for decades? So nursing school, then I started. I became an active uh, part of the nurse uh, workforce as a nurse Mm -hmm. in 2011. And shortly after, when I saw how many of the nurses lived and were treated by the corporations that kept devouring hospital after hospital, I realized, okay, so job security is a myth. Uh, they're working their butts off and yeah. they uh, are sicker than the patients in many ways and broke than I was ever as a musician. Right. So then I figured I need to learn how to invest. And I was clueless and completely clueless financially because as a musician and then a nurse, I had no clue how to Safe for investing, what investments tools there were out there, assets, yeah. classes, and all that. And I came across the books of Robert Kiyosaki in 2012-13. I started reading them. I read six or seven of his books. Yes. I was appealing because he started from scratch. He was on the verge of homelessness with his wife at some point. Yeah. And he built his wealth, his millions from scratch. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so if he can do it, why can't I? I am not smart, but I'm disciplined. So if I make myself learn this stuff, I should be able to, you know, choose an asset class and prosper in it. Yeah. And he really got me engrossed in real estate because he's so passionate about it. He has this ability yeah. to explain typical things in a very nice way that somebody absolutely. like me would understand. Yeah, and me, right? That's absolutely. Right. And then I eventually took that leap of faith and bought two of his online courses, which were really expensive for me at the time because I was a starting nurse, a lowest pay rate as a starting nurse, even though I was in my late, uh, mid-30s, I was a beginning nurse. So I made myself be disciplined financially and started saving. I bought multiple real estate properties after that. And 
I'm at a time, point today where I can really choose to work or not to work. I mean, I love nursing because it's a great way to be useful to people. But Absolutely. as far as financial independence, <clears throat> I manage my own properties. I love my tenants. I can safely say that I have the most affordable housing in the Phoenix area right now because I don't skin my tenants financially. And I still can make excellent living for myself and my loved ones. Amazing. And yeah, and then so two years ago, I wrote the book. Uh, it really is simple a holistic approach, self confidence to show people how they can start anything from scratch if they apply themselves and Absolutely. how I did it, and they can do it. And then came the holistic confidence business and stuff about it. And it's, it's a fascinating approach because, you know, there's so many of us, myself included, uh, that, you know, when we were starting out or as, you know, folks in the audience who are thinking about starting out, they're terrified, right? I mean, I, yes. I always hear, and you and I were talking about this before I hit uh, record that, you know, when I meet folks that would love to get into the real estate business, you know, I hear, you know, three basic themes, right? I don't know where the money, I don't know where to get the money. I don't know where to find the deals and I don't have time because life, right? And invariably, when I ask more questions, I hear a lot of fear and a lot Thanks. of um, uh, self-questioning and frankly, questioning from the folks that are around the person that I'm I'm speaking with. And, you know, one of the things that I admire about you and your story uh, is that you found a way to overcome all that and succeed, um, you know, on many levels. Uh, But, you know, since this is a real estate show, we'll we'll focus on the real estate, although I'm fascinated by the classic violin uh, career. But, um, uh, but, um, you know, in terms of uh, rental properties, um, can you tell us a little bit about your portfolio and, and where you focus? I know you yes. focus on Phoenix, but what kind of assets? Of course. So I uh, the way I started was funny because my boyfriend and I were renting. Uh-huh. And I said, we need to buy an asset first before we buy our first house. So we I first bought a fourplex. I went to a lawyer, created an LLC because I understood that each of the properties has to be put in a different business entity for tax and legal protection because Absolutely. any tenant is a, a potential uh, plaintiff. Right. right. And also the most important part, actually, legally, is also the trust. You have to create a trust. It's a one-time expense with your lawyer. So you can put all of your assets under that because that's even better protection than the LLC themselves. Right. So once we bought the fourplex, we lived in one of the apartments. And it was great because I got an FHA loan as a first-time homeowner and only right. put 3.5% down Phenomenal. on that property. We renovated all the other three apartments. We lived in the other the remaining one apartment as broken and old and unfaded and disgusting as it was because the previous landlord was an absentee guy from California and in Arizona. So he was treating the tenants like dogs, basically. So we decided we're not going to do that. Fixed the apartments. And then after a year and a half, when my boyfriend bought our house, we fixed the fourth apartment. But the point is we first bought the asset and a way to start investing if you're renting and you don't know where to start, you can buy a duplex, triplex, or fourplex. Now, in our case, the duplexes and triplexes were really overpriced. I mean, to be more precise, in 2014, the um, duplexes were overpriced, but the triplexes were in pretty nasty areas in Phoenix, the ones that I found for sale. So that fourplex somehow worked out it's in a relatively okay area and a decent price. Nice. So, but, but the challenge with the fourplex, and as you may know, is you have all the problems quadruples because yes. they have a broken AC yes. or a heater, but then you have, oh, four heaters, actually five heaters because there is a laundry room involved. I mean, all these details that people right. freak out about, but 
it was a very steep, great learning curve for me because if I can, I mean, if I can do it with a forklift, then I can do it with anything else. So then I bought several single family homes, which okay. have been excellent because with the single family, you fix it in a week. I had to learn how to paint, and my boyfriend taught me that. I had no skill whatsoever, but realized, hey, if we learn to paint, I can save a lot of money on handyman and then leave the really uh, tough stuff for the professional contractors. So you recover these properties and you with the houses, the tenants come immediately. And I've had these tenants for five, six, seven years now. They don't leave because my prices are very um, reasonable. I want to suggest to people who are looking into real estate the way I do that. Of course, I always visualize the markets. I research properties. I look at 300 or so before I place five or six offers. And each offer is different because each property needs uh, specific things to be done before Indeed. I can yeah. offer for the tenants. And uh, when I look at the rents in the market, I like to start in the middle of the market. So I'm competitive, but not like, uh, you know, overpaid without income because I make income immediately after I start. I even make income before my first mortgage payment is done if I'm able to recover the property fast enough right. before the tenants get in. But once I'm in the middle of the market and the tenants live there, then I really uh, gravitate towards the lower end of the market because there are tons of greedy investors out there that will uh, inflate the market and then the prices of the rentals get inflated. And uh, what we're seeing this year and last year, recent renewals at $400, $500 increase I've never seen anything like that before, and I vowed I would never do this to the people that yeah. I offer my business to because the whole point of being a renter is to be affordable. And I right. was a tenant myself for 14 years straight in this country before I bought this first four place yeah. Yeah. that we're talking about, you know? And and I admire that. You know, we we operate with a similar philosophy in that I'm fine with being 85, 90% of the market, right? And yeah. uh, And that is usually for open units. Um, if I'm, you know, when I acquire a building and I'm inheriting, you know, new residents uh, or existing residents, excuse me, uh, you know, it's we stick to the three to four percent. Um, there's really no reason to, uh, you know, push them out because, you know, frankly, I'm I'm actually hoping that they stay for years and years and years. Right. And, uh, you know, so so I agree. I think, um, uh, you know, I think that you can be very successful and do very well and not gouge uh, your residents, right? Yes, and this comes back to your own discipline and integrity because if you're financially disciplined, you don't have to uh, gouge off your tenants, exactly. And right. uh, with the real estate market, people will always need to rope above their head and it's not necessarily because their credit history is poor, but there are some people that honestly don't want to manage any property and they Correct. just prefer to Absolutely. Rent. So different... And um, the three to four percent, it depends on the area. Of course, we, we kept migrating west and west and west because after we bought the Phoenix fourplex, then Phoenix became uh, a price that I didn't like anymore. So then, on uh, Mirage, then west, further west of Buckeye, so we kept like, right, swimming right. westward. But um, as you said, um, what was the point? Of, I got lost my train of thought. But you have to be sustainable by being affordable to your clients. Absolutely. The real estate business is no different than any other business, and it's just and it's a simple exchange of value, right? I mean, you're providing a, a you folks like me, folks like you, you know, we're providing a clean and safe place that's been you know well appointed, so that they're proud to live there, and you know, the hopefully the you know the idea is to to keep them there, um, keep them in place for you know several years. 
Um, and which also makes your property more valuable because you're not spending money on turnover and releasing, right? Which can be very expensive. And, uh, yes, and then you can be very affordable to immediately manage one day. Right. Need managed and you cater to their needs and it's a Absolutely. very satisfying way to have a business. It's a, it's a simple, exactly. I totally agree with you. It's a simple value exchange, right? If you have a problem, we come fix it. If you have a question, we answer it. Um, you know, if you need to talk to somebody about something going on, then we're happy to be of service, right? And uh, it's uh, yes, sir, no, no, ma'am, please, thank <laughs> yes. you. It's our pleasure, right? I mean, yes. it, it, it's truly customer service. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've known so many of our peers that have said one of two things, either one, uh, don't let them know that you're the owner. Uh, and I couldn't care less if they know I'm the owner. Um, exactly. You know, the, exactly. the fact is, is that if they need something uh, and they need it quickly, they know because we we help them, we train them basically that, you know, it's better to call our team, right? Um, right. But if they don't get satisfaction, I'm fine with a phone call. I want to know. Absolutely. And see, I have this one tenant who will not complain for three months. Uh, if anybody's bothering him, we make complaints and I don't know why they told me now, right? I mean, they have to trust you. And as far as the uh, letting them know whether you're the owner or not, depending how big you want to grow. I mean, you purchase an apartment complex with hundreds, 200 units. Mm -hmm. Of course, they hire a management company. Uh, in my case, I want to have full control over my properties because I don't trust anybody personally. And uh, finding a good manager, a good manager is worth your weight in gold, they say, right? Uh, but Indeed. how do you trust them? I see lots of um, instances where the manager says they're going to do something and they don't do it. And I'll still manage my bookkeeping and my tenants and my repairs much better than somebody else that doesn't own the property. I agree. And, um, in that case, I have no, I, I meet my tenants personally. I mm -hmm. wouldn't do it any other way. So they know I'm the owner. Uh, and I put very reasonable and firm, clear conditions in front of them and I tell them look I'm a very reasonable landlord but these are the three conditions you pay your rent on time you keep my property clean and you do not disturb the other tenants on the property these are very simple rules and they agree to them if they don't agree to them and they turns out to be a disaster tenant within a month because I know within a month or so I've had three evictions in the nine years I've been in business it's yeah. not pleasant but you will have to also make that decision and act on it. I know it's scary to many people to say, oh, I can't evict people. Well, if you have to do it though, Part of the you business. have to because you'll have to you that you lose your good tenants right. with somebody who didn't keep their promise and it's not abiding by the legal agreement called the rental lease. Right. Okay. So. Agreed. Yeah. I mean the the residents in any building have the right to quiet enjoyment of that of their home, right? Exactly. And so if you've exactly. got someone who is a you know a bad seed who is disrupting the building, um, mm -hmm. you you know, and you are afraid or hesitant to you know move on from that resident, uh, you know, think about it from this from the perspective the point you just made, which is if you don't get rid of the problem. Uh, then the problem will overcome all of your good residents and you'll start to lose them instead. So, you know, pick your poison. Which one would you rather lose? The good exactly. resident or the problem resident, right? Absolutely. I mean, I've been threatened. I've been, I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff. But, you know, but there was one case that actually my other residents came to me with, with me to court to testify against a tenant that was disrupting the whole 
wow. the process of the building and everything. And that was the last eviction several years ago. It was in 2018. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it's not pleasant. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's pleasant, but if it has to be done, right. it's like everything else that you need to do with your property, your business, your life, your health. It's something you have to do. You don't put it off. It's a bad problem. Solve it as yeah. soon and as efficiently as you can. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's get into your investment criteria, your buy box. So when you look at a property and you're thinking about buying it, you know, what are some of the attributes that you're looking for in terms of the financial attributes, location, whatever? Um, you know, how do you decide what filter do you do you send these uh, you know, potential acquisitions through to determine whether they're a good fit for your for your operation? Right. So the area has to be preferably growing. Coming up and growing area, so it's not still as expensive as the other areas because the markets change rapidly and the more established markets get expensive or quicker. quicker from yeah. what I have noticed. Yeah. Can I stop it you is, right there? When you say growing, what what's growing? The population, the price. The point? area is growing in terms of employment, attracting more okay. employment, more um, businesses, and all that. That's the growing area. That um, okay, it's not. Uh, it hasn't hit boundaries yet. It's yeah. not uh, you know about to burst of the boundaries like if. Scottsdale, for example, that they have strict rules how much to grow the city and then you don't grow the city in order to smart. But right. then you have Phoenix, which is very famous. People come from all over the world, uh, the country, excuse me, and it grows in price very quickly in certain areas. So that becomes out of reach at some point if you really want to stay reasonable within, within your um, criteria for down payment and all that and how many properties you want to buy, right? right. So that's why we kept migrating rest uh, west because that before that bubble exploded completely now because the current market, unless you find an amazing deal, some fixer offer that you really can buy at a realistic price, because they're not selling even fixer offers at ridiculous prices. They think yeah. they have a gold mine, like uh no, <laughs> not really. Yeah. No, but seller finance is different from when you have to take a loan from a bank. Right. Depends on how you want to structure your deal. But uh, another criterion, so employment. You have to have easy access to amenities, uh, stores, mm-hmm. of course, transportation in some cases. And uh, the neighborhood has to be decent. So you have to HOA, no HOA, that depends. I have properties with homeowners sure. association and properties without. But if it's a fundamentally decent neighborhood that you see that the buildings are well maintained and the people are middle class, you know, people who do their jobs, people who right. take care of their lives and don't uh, cause trouble, then that's an okay, perfectly fine community okay. for me to be in. Okay, good. And then from a financial perspective, you know, what are you looking for uh, in in when you're uh, evaluating the property? You know, are you focused on cash flow, appreciation? Cash flow. Other I'm a okay. cash flow investor, yes, because okay. I want to be able to have employment freedom if I want to quit my job at any point. Okay. Uh, because the last two years, obviously, things became very difficult for people and for nurses and healthcare professionals. Okay. And we were um, presented with some pretty weird choices that we never had to make before. And if your employer or government or whatever is demanding uh, something that is completely in incongruent with your ethical and medical principles, you should be able to say, okay, I will do it because I think I can do it, but if I can't do it, I can leave and still have decent income. So cash flow for me is very important in my investments. Gotcha. It gives me choices. Right. It gives me choices. I can keep my property sponsored by it. And yeah. that's the financial thing. As far as financing, the loan, uh, like I said, the first property, FHA, I was agreeable to live in one of the units. So it was an mm-hmm. excellent down payment because I was my poorest at that point. I had the least amount of money. 
Yeah. Later on, it was not a problem to organize myself enough to save the 20% for down payments. I've also explored seller's finance deals, which can be excellent. Yeah. Um, I just didn't come across at the time uh, across sellers that were with reasonable interest rates and right. properties and locations because somebody wanted like a 12% interest when the market interest was 4% or 3.75%. Right. And my credit is 800 so this so you didn't person have any problem financing. not attractive to me at all right, with of course. this 12% interest and just want this $50,000 down. Something completely insane, you know. Like, right. No, that's not a win-win situation. We're no. going to not do that. But that type of thing, you know, know your options and you can yeah. uh, navigate your way through deals and financing. Yep. Okay. So from a, so you're a cash flow uh, investor. Um, in terms of appreciation in your equity, obviously, you know, since 2014, You've been investing in one of the top 10 hottest markets in the US. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about how you look at equity and appreciation. And then I want to talk about you know your 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 view into the market, given that you're in one of those very hot markets. Right. So are you asking whether I would take a loan against my equity and yeah, how do you do that? Uh, I mean, there are some investors that will sell and 1031 exchange into something bigger, some will take a line of credit and some don't touch it and want to pay it off. And I respect all three, but yeah. uh, I don't touch the equity. I don't touch yeah. it because the, the only thing with the equity, of course, I have distributed all my properties in different business entities to protect them in case anything happens. And then everything is under trust. Right. But the equity, um, I don't have a problem not touching it because again, I have structured my life in a way that's for one thing, status display for me, something completely useless. And, I came from a family in Bulgaria where, I mean, my parents were not the richest people by any stretch of the imagination. And when, when the events happened uh, in 1989, when the regime fell, the communist regime yeah. fell, I mean, their professions fell like on the bottom, bottom of the paying uh, ladder. Mm-hmm. And so to us, it was just important to have the things we need and still look decent, but uh, see, I don't drive a Porsche or Ferrari, so I don't need to take loans with the equities just to show off how amazing I am to the rest of the world, because I couldn't right. care less about that, right? Um, so I like the equity where it is in case I ever have a horrible emergency in my life, and I have to sell, which will be completely against what I want to do, but sometimes you never know life happens, yeah, right? right? I have also... It's not just the equity, though. I mean, I have built cushion accounts for every single of my, one of my businesses, which comprises at least a three months worth of mortgage payments yes. for that property in case I lose tenants and I can't find tenants as fast as I want to. Right. Well, on top of that, there is some money for repairs if needed. Right. So each of my LLCs has this very good cushion account. And I don't touch that either. So that's another form of equity, if you wish. Absolutely. It's a very disciplined way. You build it as you buy the property, you build your little cushion account in the savings, business savings or market, whatever you want uh, yep. with your union credit union or bank. Yep. And then you proceed to save for another property. I'm very organized in that way because I, I want my property set in a certain way financially and then I go on to the next property. I'm very organized and kind of, you know, narrow-minded in some ways, but it helps me because it keeps me in control of uh, all oh, the investments that way. Yeah, well, it's a very disciplined way to approach it, right? Is that you know you're acquiring a property, you're fixing that property, you are stabilizing and renting that property, mm-hmm. and when all of that's done, then you go get another one, right? Then you then you build the account for three months of mortgage with the income from the property. So yep. you just really 
do everything, everything the way you see it as safest. You treat every property like you treat your own emergency. You have a savings account for emergency expenses from three to six months in case anything happens. But if nothing happens, you don't touch the account. It's even long. Right. So uh, I, I operate the same way. I, you know, I plan for uh, disaster and, and when uh, it doesn't happen, you know, we're, we're pleasantly surprised. Uh, the only difference between our operation and yours um, with COVID, uh, we went from that three month operating expense to, I, we actually pushed it out to six months. Um, and, and just because you never know. Right. right. And, right. you know, fortunately we were, blessed with a whole bunch of really amazing residents who, you know, fortunately most of them kept their jobs and the ones that yeah, did. I was going to ask yeah. whether you lost any residents or not. Uh, so. Not a one. Okay, not yeah. one. Same here. Same here, actually. Yeah. And yeah, none so. of them took advantage of the fact that the government allowed them to not pay rent without any explanation because sure. that was that yeah. horrible, completely illegal uh, right. move from the government, I think. But um, my parents were, they appreciate when you're honest with them and you treat them like equals, they are equals. They're, they're your yeah. clients. They, they're your clients. You're their, you know, provider. I mean, that's you have to be extremely uh, honest and respectful of them. And Absolutely. Many landlords yeah. don't really see it that way. And no, so they do not, and that's a mistake. Yeah. You know, the fact is, you're renting to human beings. You have a an enormous responsibility uh, to those people, and um, yeah, you're no better or worse than they are, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, in, in terms of uh, belief, right? And so, you know, I, I, I get stopped all the time. You know, I wish I had the time or the whatever to to get into this business. So, I'm curious in in terms of you know having gone through that process yourself, and now you're an expert on you know building self confidence and helping other people do that. You know, I'm curious what separates the folks that. Um, are able to do what you've achieved and versus the ones that are stuck in that, you know, uh, dream phase or whatever you want to call it. I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. Okay. But for one thing, when people started expressing their doubts that I should go to nursing, that I have to do a martial arts, and the other thing, 12 versus martial arts, people were against that. Mm-hmm. For me, that's self-confidence builder, but then whether I should invest, um, I cut the time. I kept the time that I allotted to listening to these people. And then I kept the time that I previously allotted to even sharing my intentions with these people. So you make yourself less available to people who don't align with your goals and dreams. And they, again, I've dealt with people all the time. They can be the nicest people, the most uh, well-intentioned people, but it's ignorant advice. They don't know what they're doing, what you want to do. So keep respecting, but don't take that advice. So don't waste your time discussing anything with them because it might take an hour or two to discuss over coffee. And during that hour, you can be planning right. research market, research investment options or career options, anything that you are afraid to do because all oh, you don't have the time. Yeah, you do have the time, but you have to make the time because right. it's a matter of priority. Hiding from you is right. just that you're not utilizing it properly. Yeah. So so when when you know you come across someone who is struggling with confidence, right? And they're not sure, you know, I'm sure you you mentor folks, uh, you know, just given your background and and the fact that you wrote a book and it's been well received. Um, the, you know, I'm curious about when when you're working with somebody who's trying to figure out or build that courage or confidence to to, you know, get over that hill and start their next career real estate or whatever. Um, you know, what what is it in them that finally gets them to take that 
big step? Well, in many ways, they're very disillusioned with their current lives and they feel at a certain age when they realize they have nothing to show for. Like me at age 32, when I realized that music was not going to work anymore, even though I have done it for 26 years. And it comes at different age for people, right? So when they're desperate to learn something new, but nobody around them can offer them anything of like practical value, right. they, they come to me uh, and we do a very full um, examination of what they want, why they want it, and then time management. I made them write a table of their week, how you utilize the time. Uh, what is the condition of your health? Do you have any chronic diseases that are sucking away time in doctor's appointments and sucking money away in medications yeah. and uh, appointments? Very important factor that Absolutely. I work with patients hands on all the time. You know, I'm one of those nurses that still does hands on care with patients, and I'm proud of it because um, I learned a lot from my patients. You know, and uh, many of them, when they have their health in poor condition, then their finances are in poor condition, and that affects their relationships just as poorly. So I focus on these three areas, and then we look at the money. Do you owe any credit cards? How many? unpaid balances do you have on credit cards that are uh, damaging your credit score, limiting your buying power, let's do something about it. How many of these expenses are completely unnecessary at this point, right? So we look into the health, nutrition, um, exercise, detox, but I'm a maniac on these three uh, things. Then we look into their careers, then the financial aspect, and then we rip everything apart. Sure. In the time management, and then and who are you spending your time with now? Who told you that? Why are you one hour today with this person who can contribute anything to your life? Right. Because of childhood memories. No, you need to restructure everything. So right. they realize eventually, I mean pretty soon, that everything is so connected, the five life aspects of health, career, finances, relationship, and ultimately spirituality. Mm-hmm. That's, then they become much more um, territorial with their time gradually, on a right. gradual basis. But some of them sooner than, than others, yeah. when they see the value of taking control of their time and how much more they can do with their time as far as their um, physical well-being, mental well-being, and financial well-being. Yeah, I, and, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the fact is, is that it comes down to decisions and choices, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, you can choose to play video games or uh mm-hmm. or you know go out and party on friday night or and watch movies and watch movies or whatever tv or whatever right and those are choices and you know i i'm not saying don't ever do it i mean i watch movies all the time i watch tv on a you know on a most most of my most of my watching is basketball and baseball and football but uh um, but, uh, you know, the fact is, is that we have choices, right? And, you know, I did an exercise with a group that I was speaking in front of where we broke down the 168 hours that you have in a week and, uh, you know, went through the process of, okay, let's say you work 60 hours and you, uh, want to go out for, uh, fun, you know, two night, two hours a, a night. And, uh, you want to go, you know, have fun on Saturdays and Sundays for eight hours, and, you know, all the other, th- and we talked about all the other things that, that they could possibly do. And, you know, the math works out and, and obviously you're sleeping eight hours a night. So there's a 30 or week gone. Um, and, you know, when I've done this exercise in the past, we can usually identify 25, 26 hours a week that you are doing 
something that's keeping you from doing what you say you want right. to do, right? Exactly. And so, yeah. you know, it can be as simple as your net, Netflix uh, subscription. It's a form of procrastination. Yeah. It's a form of procrastination and false excuse, false secure, uh, false right. security. That you right. do something that's important, it really isn't at all. Yeah. If you're wasting your time royally. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. So, so I'm curious about um, also how you operate your business. You know, I'm I also manage all. You know, my team and I manage all of our properties here, and so my background is technology and process, right? So, you know, I'm a I'm a big systems um, person. And so I'm curious, you know, what is your approach to managing your properties and, and what are the systems that you put in place or pay attention to? Uh, well, uh, for one thing, I always have the room with the tenancy. There is a problem, call me right away. Okay. Then we inspect the properties. One of the fourplex we go every couple of weeks to see if everything is good, to you know, clean up around, uh, do some landscaping if necessary. Yep. Um, the other two pro- the other properties with the several of the... Uh, Single family homes, the tenants are very self sufficient, and some yeah. of them actually like to, like to repair things. If I buy the car, they repair the home. Wow. To repair. It's wonderful. So we have this very nice relationship with one family that the husband is so handy that he says, uh, I just want it to fix immediately. Get this part from Lowe's for me. I'll pick it up and fix it to yeah. the show him a picture of right. what he fixed the part. He first sent me a picture of the broken part. So that's one part of the management. Uh, if they can't fix it, I have, of course, a team of plumbers, electrician, handyman. Right. Uh, you know, Ed, it's funny because when you start building a business, you think of the lawyers and the rent, the lenders, the yep. real estate agents and all that, but you don't realize that the hardest and most important part to have and keep is the contractors. Yes. Very price contractors, especially if they work under their own license. They're not part of a the company. They're the hardest to find because everybody wants them for their wonderful prices. Right. And that's the most important part of the team, right? So right. then if a tenant can fix it, I sense the contractor that I need, communicate with the tenant. And uh, as far as smart, um, booking, bookkeeping and uh, accounting, I do my own. I always immediately document every expense, every financial transaction that's happened on the same day I document it. I don't put off, never put off. And that's my minute. So at the end of the year, when I hand it to my tax accountant, I have this beautiful document with all the uh, expenses and income and uh, repairs, renovations, difference between repair, different between improvements and repairs, because these are uh, right. differently taxed, differently you know, viewed by the IRS, all these things. But I do all that myself. I wouldn't have it any other way. It keeps my brain working, and yeah. uh, I do the see. I don't use a fancy uh, bookkeeping software. I'm my own bookkeeping software with the simplest word file for each business. Interesting. But <laughs> seriously, I mean, just it's yeah. worked great. My family was terrified at first, but then two years later, they said, you know. You're one of my easiest clients to work with because everything you present is completely clear and organized. And, and yeah, which know. is all that, which is the is the end game, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how you get there; it's that you get there. Exactly. You're handing over a clean package, you know, on a quarterly and an annual basis. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so obviously, you know, given given your your various varied talents, um, I'm curious about mentors and folks that have helped you along the way. Um, so. Uh, I'm, I, I'd like to ask you, you know, what is the best advice you've ever received and you know, who gave it to you? Um, the best advice came from the rich dad company from Robert Kiyosaki. 
Yeah. Uh, it took time for me to trust them because I read six, seven books before I bought the classes. But once I bought the classes because they were expensive and I put money yeah. into it, I had to act on it. It's one thing to get free advice. It's another thing to buy a book, but then getting the actual mentorship right. and investing uh, time, like I said, it was expensive for me. So I had to plan how I would save for this money, how I would pay off my credit card that I put the course on. And I did all that, but it engages you in a completely different way. Suddenly you feel like an adult. Oh, I, right. you know, that's actually not mom. It's not going to pay for my class. I have to pay for my class now. Yes. And um, immediately when you do action, because I took the real estate class with the rich dad company in 20, early 2014, we were still in Syracuse, New York, planning to move yeah. in Arizona by the summer of that year. So Arizona was beautiful market for real estate investing. And I started immediately. The first month I took, you know, building the team and all that, the real estate, it was crazy, crazy, crazy busy. So that was the main mentorship I got as far as real estate. And then I read a lot of the books that the Rich Dad Company suggests, uh, like The Millionaire Next Door, The um, The Richest Man in Babylon, Creating Wealth by Robert Allen. That's a super favorite book. I I have read it three times. It's just so good. And you learn by these extremely successful people who also started from scratch. Yeah. And it makes it more accessible to your mindsets. And you right. believe that you can do it too. It might not be as fast. It might, you may not be the cleverest person, but you will find your own way, your system that works for you. And if you stick to the plan and you don't give up and you don't distract yourself, you will make it. But listen, if I made it, anybody can. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I admire that the, uh, you know, the fact is though, is that um, success leaves clues. Right. And so you don't, as you were saying, you don't have to be creative. You can simply follow uh, the playbook or the the plan or the system of someone who's already been there and done that. Right. But you will have to become creative because your situation will be different. You will have to develop creativity gradually and learn from mistakes. See, I have another mentor who's very precious friend and a neighbor with one of the properties. He has taught me amazing amount. Um, I also learn from his mistakes a lot. That's the sure. funny part because when you know somebody yeah. more closely, you see the things they're doing. Said, "Ah, oh, yeah, I'm not doing it that way." <laughs> You're yeah. right. <laughs> but many ways to learn from people who have been in the business for a long time. Yeah. So, so you mentioned uh, Kiyosaki's books and and some of the others that are the greatest hits, so to speak. Uh, Richest Man in Babylon is one of the best books I've ever, I've ever Absolutely. most impactful books I've ever read. Yes. Um, so, so you know, how do you today? You know, obviously people still read. I see the bookshelves behind you, um, and I have a similar bookshelf over there in in my awesome. office here. Uh, the you know the the I'm curious how you take in information today. You know, given that you're as busy as you are, right? You're still a practicing nurse. Um, mm-hmm. You run your business. So do you listen to videos, audible books, or audio books, uh, podcasts? You know, how do you take in information? And and the other, the follow-up to that is I'm curious who you're paying attention to today, these days. I buy books, physical books. Yep. I read e-books. I do videos. I watch videos and I listen to podcasts. Anything I can get my hands on in my little free time, I constantly yeah. absorb information. And so one big fire hose that you're just drinking as much as you can get in. Yes, that's yeah. right. Because that's a form of mind growth, the inspiration, the other form of spirituality, the meditation, the clearing of the mind, but as far as accumulating knowledge, and you constantly have to update yourself because otherwise you become old and obsolete. Totally agree. Adapt or die, right? 
Yeah, so I like I like certain books by Tony Robbins. Uh, I started reading way later in my journey than most people have because my mentors were different, but um, certain things of Tony Robbins, I read a lot of health-related books, especially about the corruption of the healthcare system because I need to make my patients aware about this corruption because it's becoming absolutely rampant. I mean, it's been going on for 30 years, but it's getting to the point where people have to be educated. Same with the um, food industry, pharmaceutical industries, all this combines uh, the nutrition suggested to people that keeps them sick for decades and yeah. very functioning and profitable to the healthcare system. As a healthcare professional, I have to, I have to make people aware of that. And that is my biggest thing, even more important than investing, because um, if you're serving humanity to first do no harm, right. and you see the harm, then you need to make people aware. So I read a lot about that too, so I can relate this information to my patients. Sure. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's amazing that you you do that and you're that conscientious. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, so so let me ask you. You know, you had a lot of different life experiences, and you are where you are today. Uh, so uh, if you had to do it over, knowing what you know, sitting here in this chair, um, would you you know what would you do differently, if anything? Oh, I would immediately start nursing school when I came first to the states. I would yeah. wait eight years. Yeah, I wouldn't wait eight years because I would have been more realistic and less of a dreamer, like you say, um, about my real abilities to stay very competitive in a ridiculously competitive classical music market. Yeah, I would have woke up earlier and suppressed my ego and uh, stupid limits from learning something new because I was so stuck in a very narrow frame of mind. Yeah. That's what I would have done differently: become a nurse in my late uh, mid twenties instead of mid thirties. And I would have been a decade ahead of yeah. things. Because when you're younger, you're more ignorant. And so you have more, um, less fear of failing. And the older you go, right. more the so-called responsibility, fear of failure and judgments and all that uh, True. gets in True. the way. And it's harder to overcome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I started investing in real estate. I think the first property I bought, I was 41. And, uh, Boy, I wish I was thirty-eight. Yeah, so, so I, I wish, uh, I wish I'd started uh, much earlier. Um, but, uh, but you know, where we are is where we are, and those are the decisions we make. And and uh, yeah, the only the only direction to go is forward. Um, yes. So, so Alexandra, I've enjoyed our conversation. Um, I'm curious about you on a personal basis. You know, when you're not doing real estate or you're not uh, taking care of your patients, you know, what do you like to do? What do you do to enjoy have fun? I uh, go to the fitness four days a week and I spend an average of two and a half hours a day. I have very, very steep fitness routines. And that's from my 12-year martial art training. You said you started real estate at age 41. You know what I started doing at age 41? Learning pull-ups. And yes. today I do 100 pull-ups per session with my own weight and I add weights to my legs to make it heavier. And uh, I do the same with my dips. I do ridiculous cardio at the fitness. And this is very unloading and uh, confidence building for me too, because I have I don't have an ounce of extra fat on my body. I'm maniac that way because I want to leave by example. I can't tell the patients, listen, stop eating animal products, go plant-based, go to the fitness if I don't do all these things. So this is my free time. The fitness is a big, big outlet for me. Then I also listen to music, mm -hmm. classical music. I don't play music anymore, but I love to listen to it because um it organizes my brain in a 
very specific way as far as financial planning goes. It's funny, you know, Baroque music. When you listen to Baroque music, it's very strictly organized, and that helped my brain with the finances. It's hard to explain. I've talked about it in the book in the spirituality chapter in some more detail. But yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because the, you know, and I've I've read multiple studies where uh, uh, music, math, and language skills all operate in the same area of the brain. So if you are talented at one, pretty good chance you're talented at all of them. And it's interesting that Baroque music helps organize your mind to be able to do finance, math, right? Yeah, yeah, it does that to me. It just sits in this space, sphere of concentration that allows you to plan for two, three years ahead. Right. And, you know, being European, I know you speak at least two languages because we're not talking in Bulgarian. So I'm not in Bulgarian, so I speak English, Spanish, and Italian. Yeah. And horrible Russian. I can read fluently in French and German without understanding almost anything. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't pursue once I started learning them. I learned the rules of reading in German and French, but right. then I didn't I just got busy with other things. But uh, Spanish and Italian pretty fluently. Yeah. And so the romantics. It's, yeah. Yeah. Is is Bulgarian a romantic language? Or language. It's Slavic. Okay. Language. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, Alexandra, I've I've I'm fascinated and I'm I'm grateful oh, for you. your time and, and you sharing your experience and your lessons learned. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about your book or just learn more about you, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch? They can go to my website. The website is holisticselfconfidence.com. No dashes, holisticselfconfidence.com. Then there is a blog there that links to the book, paperback and ebook. The title of the book is It Really Is Simple, A Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence. Uh, so the paperback and ebook are on the website, and the ebook is also available on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and Apple Books. Excellent. Well, Alexandra Dolceva, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations and on all your success. And uh, I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation uh, into the future. So, uh, oh, absolutely, Ed. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on everything that you have accomplished. Thank you very Excellent. much. Always nice to be a late starter. Yeah, exactly. It, it, Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been the Real Estate Underground Podcast, a Clark Street Capital presentation. Thanks for joining us. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you'd like to learn more about Clark Street Capital and our upcoming projects, please join our investor club at clarkst.com join. Until next time, happy investing.